Hi, my name's Peter Blanche. You've clicked on another episode of the Reach Australia podcast. Such helpful things for you and your ministry and your thinking and your practice. Today, we're going to be hearing from Andrew Hurd. Andrew is the lead pastor at EV Church there on the Central Coast in Erina. What you're about to hear in this podcast was recorded at the National Conference in May 2022. Well, we're coming to an end. Uh, we've got a couple more things that we want to do together, but uh, just to check how you're feeling. Who's, uh, hands up if you're feeling fresh, enthused, ready to pump, get out there. Half a dozen of you. Good. Okay. <laughs> well, it's worked. Um, a lot of people find this conference as uh, an experience where they're drinking out of a fire hose. Uh, and sort of just, you know, it's overwhelming. Uh, I like to think of it as kind of being hit by waves constantly, you know, get hit by a wave, knocked over, and with a bunch of people watching it happen to you. Which... <laughs> oh, he's gone over again. Uh, so um, that can happen. It's not our, you know, I'm not doing that at all, but others might do that. So let me, uh, I, I appreciate, we appreciate it can be overwhelming, and uh, I want to finish by, well, we're, we're going to get uh, a final charge from um, Phil Colgan, but... I want us to think particularly just for a moment about taking, making change, making change. This is not a full change management discussion. Uh, if you've not heard the language, there's a man called Cotter. You can uh, Google it online who has very great information many of us have found helpful about change management. This is an attempt to clarify some of the key changes and brief thoughts on implementing as we come to an end together. Um, we hope that one of the impacts of this time together has been an awareness of the need to make change. Are you feeling that? Yes, that's good. We can't just keep doing what we've been doing. Um, the way we've been doing it has not been working. And yes, it is God's work, he's sovereign, but we're his instruments, we're real agents under his sovereign hand, and we need to take that responsibility seriously. Uh, compatibilism is the way we think about these things. We need to make change. What changes? Let me give you the first one. DNA. There's all kinds of important issues around management, leadership, Pentagon, delegations, organisation, all of these things matter. We, we are convinced that they're massive blind spots for our world of church life. We need to pay attention to them. Uh, Don Carson's written a paper on the language of overseer in the Bible on Themelios. Google Themelios, Don Carson, overseer. He makes the case that you cannot just be a teacher of the Bible if you want to be an overseer. Uh, it's an important corrective for us. But all of that, management, delegate, all that stuff is rubbish. Less than rubbish. If your heart is not aligned with the heart of God. For two reasons. It's a reality reason and a pragmatic reason. The reality reason is this. Um, our DNA needs to reflect reality just because it needs to reflect reality, just because reality is real. Um, Jesus is Lord. That's reality. He is the saviour, the only saviour our world has. That's just reality. We've tried to capture a sense of this and give a flavour to the urgency around it by talking about, we talk about five plus one, but let me give you just the five to start with and I'll tell you about the one. There is a heaven and hell. The cross is real. God has a vision for his universe to unite all things in Christ. Life is brief. We're only here for a short time, a few short years. Now is not the time just to go and indulge and relax. 
Never use the language of relaxed amongst Christian ministry circles. Love. You cannot love God and love others and be content that people are going to hell. These pieces are deeply important for us and need to be uh, embedded in our heart and soul. The key responsibility of the pastoral leader of church is to be alive to those truths, to know them, be captivated by them. They're not a set of thoughts that are optional for us or anyone in the world, actually. But because these things are truth, the greatest truths, they matter. We must be burdened by them. And if you have any, any sense of love and heart for others, you will be driven by them. Seeing what God has done for us in Christ, you must be captivated by his love. If you understand how short life is, you must make the most of every opportunity. Our calling isn't just to believe these things as if... Our calling isn't just to believe as if others don't have to. Our calling is to be the ones who are in the light, who see what's actually true. The world needs us to see the truth of these things. Where of all people would be clear-eyed about the reality. That's our DNA. To be gripped by the truth that Jesus is Lord and Saviour. There is no other Saviour. There is no other name under heaven by which a person could be saved. He is our only hope for our world. And the only place to find these truths is in the Scriptures, the Word of God. We're, we're to be committed to um, Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone, Scripture alone. These are things to be DNA for us. It's, it's to be deeply embedded in us. Now, that may mean change for you. I think it's one of the most fundamental things we need to keep working on. Get these truths, these urgent truths, deep in your soul, into your heart, and have a passion because of these things to reach Australia for Christ. And let it be deep as a slow burn in your heart. Let it be a steely determination that you have. Not superficial, not a sugar hit, not a hype thing, but actually grunt. A blood earnestness. And I, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, one of the important things we've done, to, we've, we've chosen two main speakers over this time, Andrew and Paul, who, what, what do you think oozes from their pores? Isn't it the sense of who Jesus is, the, the grace that we've received in him? It just comes out again and again and again. Now, part of the reason of having those two uh, lead us in their time of the Bible, they can't help but talk about these things. It's part of who they are. And you know what? They're, they're old. <laughs> and somehow or other, they still have it. They are for us to be an example, and they are that. You, you, you see, this is what our country needs. We need leaders and pastors who have a deep fire, a steady, resilient fire for God's glory and the growth of his kingdom, not for the latest social justice buzz that's going around. Be careful not to be the church that every time the community starts talking about an issue, we somehow start preaching about it. This is first and foremost that we have to have this DNA because it just reflects reality. We have all people that will be the ones in touch with reality. Um, this, this is not a growth tip. It's not a technique. <laughs> you, you, you know, it's not, how do you grow your church? We'll have this DNA. That's, no, that's not what this is. We are to be the one person in our community, at least, we are to be many people in our community, but we are at least of the, all our community be the people who are alive to these truths. So, so that you can't be then but driven to growth. That's, that's our job. 
to see what people aren't seeing and be alive to it. You know what, there's nowhere else to go. But this will also be a pragmatic driver. Actually, let me just... There's nowhere else to go. Friends, um, you, you, you can't retire from those truths. Do, do you know what I mean? It's not, we don't do this as a job. This isn't just... Be, I'm, I believe these things and I'm committed and passionate about these things because I get paid to be the pastor. And when I stop being paid to be the pastor, I can go and bum around the place. No, 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 no. You, you, you're, you're set free as a pastor to focus on what's real. That continues to captivate and should captivate all people. But... It's a DNA thing that's there, whatever happens, growth or not, but it will be a pragmatic driver for growth. You see, if you're going to grow as a church, you need this DNA because of a simple principle of human nature. And let's see if we can see it. The simple pr- you won't make change until the pain of not changing is greater than the pain of change. Human nature, you won't embrace the immediate pain of a changed diet. Stop eating those foods you love. You won't embrace that pain until... The, the, the pain of not dealing with your diet is brought home to you. The future health crisis. Changing things is painful, especially changing things in front of you. Changing uh, in a church with people sitting there who don't want you to change, it's painful. But unless you feel the pain of the people who aren't in church, you won't go through the pain of the people who are in church. You see. Um, change of yourself is one of the first things you need to change. And you won't go through that pain unless you're convicted deeply of the truth of heaven and hell, the truth and reality of the cross, brevity of life, the, the, the vision God has for his world, and love. You've got to change yourself. We need to learn to change the way we manage our week, what we do with our week. We need to change the structures of our churches, the way we lead them. None of that will happen all be sustained without the slow burn of the pain of not changing. You with me? If we don't change, the lost will stay lost and go to hell. That, that, that needs just to be a constant ache of your soul so that it enables and empowers you to make the changes you need to make and press into them and keep going with them and and sustain. Here's the first tip. It will take relentless attention to the process of making change to achieve change. It'll, It'll take relentless attention to the processes of change to actually see change implemented. You don't just go home next week and decide and it's done. We're in such deep ruts. We've got such uh, long-held patterns of ministry that are ineffective. We've got headwinds against us. uh, And you've got the the hard work of dismantling things and rebuilding things. What will keep you at that? A DNA. It's just part of who you are. You know, the days and years ahead for you as a pastor are full of pain. There'll be joys, there'll be, there'll be beautiful blessing, you need to care about your family and you need to love your wife and you need to love your kids and you need to take your day off, it's, it's the Sabbath that you need to enjoy as an evidence that you trust God and you're not the... You need to do all of that, yes, but you need to embrace the fact that ministry and its leadership is painful. We don't help each other by hiding the fact that the kitchen of Christian leadership is hot. But the DNA that 
grows and develops in you will sustain you. And how do you keep that DNA? There's been some good questions about longevity and resilience. How do you keep that DNA? Do you know one of the keys? The fellowship of God's people. Regularly being amongst people who have that DNA, who, who, who ooze it and talk to us. You've got to commit yourself to gathering with people who will keep you fired up for those things. You need to keep coming into it and keep coming into it. That's what Sundays are meant to be week in, week out. There's a, it, it, this is not a job we have. This is what we do as a life because we're captivated by the truth of things. Let me give you a, a second thought here. Get clarity. Implementing change, get clarity about where you need to take your ministry. Clarity about what life is about, what this life is. Clarity about what the ministry is for, to make disciples. Clarity about the place of the word in all of that. Get clarity. Clarity about the structures you need to create a ministry that will begin to build and move and gain momentum and make disciples in ever-increasing number. This is, this is the kind of thing we need to pay attention to as leaders. Alignment, alignment, structural alignment. Let me talk you through this very briefly. Uh, this is how we want to create our churches, where everything that we do organisationally in our church together moves, moves in, in the same direction and builds heat and energy as it moves forward in the same direction. Let me, I'll, I'll fill this out a little bit more for us in a moment. This is what most of our ministries look like. <laughs> and there, the bottom one, there's the craft group that, <laughs> that a bunch of people started 40 years ago. And you have to keep making announcements for it and recruit to it. Because they're dying. <laughs> um, I don't know why you'd think that was a terrible thing to have said, but there we are. It's, um, the, the point here, uh, uh, and I want, to, I want to deal with something a little bit touchy, just very briefly. Um, there, there was a book written many years ago called Unleashing Your Potential, an American uh, church growth idea, which was one of the keys to growth, they suggested, was to find the gifts of people in your church and, and get them fired up for the things they're gifted for. Unleash your, you know, unleash your potential. And the model of church thinking that grew out of that, uh, or certainly was reinforced in that, was the idea that what we do is employ pastors to, to really just get alongside people one-to-one and in small groups and find out what their gifts are and release them. But you know what you end up with? Go back to that slide. You end up with that. Where, where you go, oh, no, 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 what, what's happening is as I'm releasing gifted people, they're doing ministry and evangelism, and it's, that's aligning with our goals. But you know what it's not doing? It's not building momentum together as an organisation to get a flywheel happen, to get heat happening. What it's doing is, yeah, individuals are going off and doing their evangelism, and the sum of the parts is not greater. It's just a lot of parts. And that's one of the deep things we need to deal with in our churches. We are running siloed ministry structures all over the place that are all pulling off and running. And what happens too is it starts, yes, it starts well, but because you haven't built it into the whole organism ecosystem the, and the management of it, it starts to drift and it ends up 20 years later and you don't know what to do with it. Get clarity about what we're trying to achieve. Get clarity about how our organisation life together can achieve that. Uh, get clarity on what you need to put in place to move that forward and what you need to kill. Most of our churches need a night of the long knives. Do, do you know, most of our churches, we need leaders who can go back and just, and, and just kill lots of things. 
not people. <laughs> but, but you know, you need to go back and, and compassionately, I mean, I've, I've made a joke, but, but there needs to be some grunt in this where you go back and you say, the outcome matters too much to let us all just run off doing our things. That hasn't been working. And you won't work out what to kill and what to keep until you've got clarity about the kind of input structures, the ministry structures that will facilitate creating momentum together. Get clarity around that. Now, um, it, it, uh, what I want to say in counterpoint to that, though, is as you build a ministry structure and resource and recruit to it, you'll create the kind of structure that unleashes people's gifts for their potential. So, so I'm not... I'm not wanting to pit that against it. I'm just wanting to say, don't think that the way you build this church, church organisational life together is recruiting people to just do what they want to do with their gifts and passions. No, 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 no. B build the organisational life of church to be aligned, to build momentum, to create an ecosystem of, of increasing heat like a flywheel, you know, all, all that pentagon. Build all of that and the outcome of that will be individuals gifts being unleashed to go and do their ministry life in the community with their friends, family, workmates everywhere. You say, but don't, don't make that a resourced thing because we haven't got enough resource. But you, you see, we get much more of that happening if you pay attention to the organisational life to get it working sharp and clear and be simple and fired up. We say no to lots of stuff. People come with their passions and their desires and we say... Go for it. But we can't resource it. That can't be... We had big fights about Christian soccer clubs. Um, do you know, I, I, we, we are not going to have a Christian soccer club. Call yourself a different name uh, and go and do... Just do it if you want to have a Christian... You go and play soccer. Fantastic. Get a bunch together, but just don't call it our church's name. Um, we were, 20 years ago, we used to call ourselves Central Coast Evangelical Church. So you know what they called themselves? Okay, we won't use the church's name, we'll call ourselves EV. And then 15 years later, we changed our name to EV, and now we've got an EV church locker club. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Um, but they know not to come back and ask for anything. They just go and do their stuff. Um, uh, be clear on what to build. Third, embrace the need to make stepped changes. Embrace the need to make step changes. Graham's talked about this, but I actually just want to underline this fact. If you're going to step up leadership levels, this, this is not just helping people step up, this is you stepping up. If you're going to step up, one of the big steps you need to make is from a shepherd to a rancher. We go into the ministry to be shepherds of people, and if you're going to grow a ministry that, that outdoes who you are and who you can be, and actually does reach people around you in increasing number, you need to step back from being the coal-faced shepherd and become the rancher of shepherds. Now the problem is, that hurts. It really, it really does tug to embrace that change and almost all of us sabotage that. We just find it too hard and so we never unleash a ministry to do more than one person can do, we just multiply shepherds and never actually create a ministry that works together with teams that multiply and build momentum and energy and do far more than the parts could ever do. We just can't we find ourselves that it hurts us. I feel like I, I want to have almost a, a, a codependency. I want them to need me and I want to be needed. It's very painful. Every two years, now I don't say this to get any pity, I don't, 
I don't need you. I don't need your sympathy. But every two years, for 20 years, I've gone through grief as I've moved through um, stages of transformation and change to unleash the work and get away from it, to free it from me, to make it. It's been very pain. And every two years, I've identified. It took me some time to realise this is grief, loss. But unless you buy into the D, if you've got the DNA of reaching the world with the gospel of Christ, you'll do. You'll embrace the pain. And find much blessing in it. It isn't easy. But there's blessing in that. If you hold on to the work, you will hold the work back. Final thoughts. Carve out reflection time. Individually and as a team. Can I urge you at the end of this conference, or perhaps even uh, now, uh, during Phil's final talk, grab your dog... (laughs) Grab your diaries out and, um, and find a way to get uh, at least a half a day, a day where you and then your leadership team, I'm not talking staff, whoever is in your leadership, to get away, get away from the house, get away from the, the church and, and process, reflect and build into your diary, I think, uh, once a month for some time, those kind of reflection times, to, to get clarity, to build the DNA, to see what I need to stop, what I need to start, how I need to build momentum, how I need to change the way I think about ministry structures and so on. But final thought, it's worth it. Let me pray. Our great God and Heavenly Father, we, we, uh, we come before you as... Uh, people who are weak, who are frail, who are not what we ought to be and we keep doing what we ought not to do and we we are so consciously aware of that and we need your strength but we're so thrilled that when we are weak you are strong and you, your grace is sufficient and uh, we, we pray please for your strengthening, your enabling, that we as your leaders, your people, co fellow workers that please you might empower and strengthen us to be captured by a vision of Christ that, that enables us to embrace the pain of change and that you and your kindness might um, change this country, bring revival, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We really hope you enjoyed that episode of the Reach Australia podcast. It may well have provoked all sorts of good ideas and thoughts and stirred the emotions to love and serve God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Now, if your church is looking to increase in those things, to increase in depth of conviction, to increase in depth of theology, but also in the practice of ministry, the Reach Australia Development Program is for you and for your church. It's aiming to help churches become more more evangelistically urgent to see themselves multiply and grow. It's aiming to develop leaders to be practically skilled and theologically driven in the precious and important work of Jesus' precious church. The Rich Australia Development Program is a two-year program where church leaders can get involved and be developed in leading themselves and in leading teams and in leading the whole ecosystem that the church is. Two years, we'd love to see you involved. If you have any interest at all, please go along to the Rich Australia website reachaustralia.com.au and all the information you'll need is there.